0: Should we pray? Father, we, we just want to say we trust you. We want to just offer our hearts, Lord. We want to come before you and say you're the one that we look towards. Would you come with a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord? Would you speak deep into hearts, into places that we're not even aware of? Father, Then um, thank you for your, your kindness that leads us to repentance. Thank you for your gentleness, Lord, that make us trust you. Thank you for your character that is unchanging. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So um, so this is my first, second preach in 20 years. (laughs) The other congregation was the guinea pig congregation. I warned them. I said I could be really monotone and bore you to death. But luckily I wasn't, so... Um, yeah, I just had a sense, just that one song, it's just like the Lord is just pouring his trust over us, or he's, not his trust, but just he, was, he wants to just set us at ease and just go, you can trust me, I have this, your, I have your, your hearts in my hand. Um, I, I want to speak about just surgery and how God works in our hearts, and, and a big part of that is trusting him. Big part of that is just going, You're the one I look towards. When I can't, can't look at any other person, You're the one that I trust. So, yeah, so such a privilege. I'm a little bit less nervous than the first first preach. Um, I said to Tanya earlier, it's, it's so amazing. Like, uh, Benjamin, our one son, went on his first outreach, on a biker outreach, and he was in Willowmore this morning, and he, he was part of that thing. And Seb went on a Friedenberg outreach, and um, so it's just so amazing to see how the Lord is working in our family and and He's using us. And uh, I think it's that thing of what Jaku said: "It's you say, you if you give yourself first to Him, He provides, He works, He endeavours, He completes, He does everything." Um, the, the letter to the Macedonian Church. That I think it was Paul that wrote that said they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to the works, then to giving, then to, um, and that's the call: is let's give ourselves first to to Him. So yeah, so um, this what I'm about to say is not bromance; it's not really; it's not weird. uh, But how beautiful a guy can be! (laughs) <laughs> um yeah i was, like i look i look, I look at how, what the Lord does in us, and there's a beauty in people that he produces through pain he like he reads throughout the word there's this valuable commodity in the word, and it's pain and suffering, and we don't understand why we don't understand why he leads us into us into that we don't understand how what he does with it but a big part of this thing that we're doing is pain and suffering. And I think we, we, through the quiet times, the peaceful times, we somehow forget that that is a big part. And um, so the bromance bit is, it's like I'm, I look at Fritz and, I, and we all know what he's been through recently. And um, there's a beauty in him That's incredible. And it doesn't make sense. He he, he lost a nail. And there's others in the room here that uh, that was very close. And that produces such pain. But it also produces such beauty. And that thing's so desirable. It's such a beautiful thing to spend time around. It it draws you in. You want to look at them. And you want to spend time with them. And... uh, He said such a radical thing. We spoke the other night. Um, He said if he had to to have it over again, he wouldn't change a thing. And that sounds like crazy talk. So uh, he wouldn't change anything. Not the suffering, not the pain, not the process. But that's basically what, what he's saying is God is so valuable. I see so clearly into eternity. I see so clearly how good he is that I, c- I can say this irrational thing here that I wouldn't have it differently. And that's incredible. Um, Joey is another beautiful guy. <laughs> He's been through deep heart stuff, deep surgery in the last while, in the last year. And I was privileged enough to see some of it and some of the times we sat and spoke and I saw him wrestling with it I saw him with why is this so sore why doesn't this make sense can't someone just take this can't Andrew just take this away can't is it really necessary to go through this but it's developed a beauty in him that 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 draws you like, I look at his personality and it's changed in some ways. The Joey that, that Yaki said that we've known for 30 years, um, there's a softness there. There's a change that's come, that's changed his personality. And there's that thing of the spirit in him that's drawing. And um, unfortunately or fortunately for us, the Lord works like that. He takes a leader and he goes, I'm going to take you through deep waters. I'm going to change you, and I'm going to take your heart in my hand, and I'm going to mold it into the shape that I desire, that I prefer, the, the preferable future that I have for you. And um, and once you've been through this, I'm going to reproduce your spiritual DNA in all of you in this church, and um, like produces after like. And, and we're, going to be, we're going to be molded. Our hearts are going to be molded into that picture of Josh Jim, P.M., sunny little PM, of what the Lord desires for us to look like, what he wants his church to look like. And we don't have a choice, or we have a choice to give ourselves, but we don't know what it's going to look like at the end. So we, uh, we, we went through hiking through the Kuchelberg Mountain, uh, through the reserve on Friday. And there was, two years ago, there was a fault fire that went through there, and every, everything was black. And I remember walking through there two years ago thinking, I, I don't even want to be here. This is just disgusting. It's just, there's nothing. It, nothing's higher than this, and everything's black. And this time we walk through there, and it's two years later, and it's just a variety of fine boss. It's pin cushions and king proteas and small flowers and big flowers and detail on so many levels. And it's, it's at some places higher than your head, and you're walking in this forest of flowers. And I found myself smiling. And uh, I knew I was going to cry at one point. <laughs> it came early. And I thought that's just like the church. That's what that's what the Lord sees. He sees a complete flowering garden with a diversity of people, where each person is unique and each each person's heart has been shaped by him. And and it's it's awe-inspiring to see how beautiful that is. And you're surrounded by it. And he desires just to walk in that garden. And um but unfortunately, that thing gets produced through fire and through heat and through uncomfortable situations, and it looks really ugly at some point. So that's what I want to preach about, um, just submitting to the ugly parts that God has for us, the fire and the heat and the processes and the surgery. And um, so I look around, and I see some of you are in surgery. Some of you have spoken about I've spoken to and, and, and like I know what you're busy fighting with, and some some others are probably sitting here going, "Well, this is great. I'm I'm not I'm not in that place." So hopefully by the end of this preacher, you would des- you're going to desire to go. God, here I am. I want to sign my way, myself into that surgery because the, the goal is for Him to make us beautiful. Um, so yeah. So let me start with this. Like we can't, There's some parts of our heart that we can't give. We don't even know it's there. Either the world's made us numb, and we've blocked it. People have hurt us, and we've blocked it. There's parts of me that I, when I got saved initially, it was a part salvation because I gave as much as I could to the Lord. But I couldn't give my whole heart because there were big parts that I wasn't even aware of. I had parts with conditions. I had little legal clauses inserted. Yes, but I'm still going to go and travel. I'll give that part once I've traveled. I'll give that part once I've met the right girl. I'll give that part once. It was all me. It's all me, me, me. My conditions. And I couldn't give those parts of myself. So when the heat came and the fire came, I, I quickly backslid. I quickly chose the more logical, reasonable guy versus the guy that was just speaking Jesus all the time. Um, I won't mention names. (laughs) um, I quickly veered to the less painful route Uh, because I couldn't give that part of me. But over years of being letting myself be overtaken by the world, that, that that pain got so deep into that part of my heart that I said, okay, Lord, here I am. Finally, here I am. I give everything. I No conditions, nothing of me, nothing Nothing. when this happens, then I will, it's just, I'll become one of those crazy, happy, clappy people. I'll do anything. I'll lose all dignity, but I need you. Um, and that's when you can give bigger parts. And that's his goal. He wants to take us to, to deeper places where we can give all everything of ourselves. And um, so he initiates the process. We sign on the dotted line, but he initiates the process. Um, So Paul, if you can put that scripture up, 1 Peter 2 verse 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ and I read this and I looked at offering spiritual sacrifices what's that? I was wondering what is the spiritual sacrifices that we give obviously there's giftings but what are those sacrifices and um, I just thought okay well in the, in the old covenant there was a temple and there were goats and doves and cows and things were to be being slaughtered that was their sacrifices but now there's different sacrifices. And I think a part of that, this is just my thinking, As a part of that is, is, is suffering and pain. Is some of the sacrifices of I give something of myself that I'm allowing to die. So that was for the forgiveness of sins where they killed animals for the blood. But now I'm giving parts of myself in surrender, in repentance, for the forgiveness because of Christ. Um, and that's the start. That's part of... Part of being made, made beautiful. And then a scripture, 1 Peter 4, verse 12, putting you on the spot, Paul. Dear friends, do not be surprised at this painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. And the bit that stands out there for me is we know it's a painful trial. We but what it, what it, it's like a strange thing happening. I think Joey mentioned that in his preach last week. There's a strange thing happening that we don't understand. Lord, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to my wife? Why are you doing this to my kids? What, why is there cancer? Why do I have to... Like, one morning I woke up and I get diagnosed with cancer. Why must I, What are you doing? Why are the suffering? And I, I don't have answers, but I, I, I'm so aware of he values, he values the pain and suffering. It's a valuable commodity. It's a thing that he goes, this is, Christ, I mean, the Bible says Christ suffered, and we will share in his sufferings. And I, I read that, and I skip over it. I read the other stuff. But that's just as there, in black and white. Um, but the suffering produces beautiful things. So um, hopefully I can, I can give a perspective on this thing, how to do this, just how to look at God, how to look at the suffering, how to put this in context, and then um, just uh, not even understand it better. But I've got a story that I um, want to tell. So this is a physical story of physical surgery that's quite gory. There's no kids here. Eh? Oh, there's a few little kids. Okay. Um, but there's a picture in this, in how the Lord works with us. So if you if you know anything about surfing or swimming or sea or... Um, it's a lot of wind, a lot of glare, a lot of cold, a lot of stuff, and everything in your body doesn't like that. Your ears don't like it. They start growing closed. You're, you get swimmer's ear. So the hole in your, in your ear gets smaller and smaller and smaller until the um, doctor looks into your ear like he's looked into mine and went, I can't even see the hole. And then Tanya speaks to me and I don't even hear her. <laughs> it's not great for relationships. So she's, she's learned how to like, make eye contact and then speak. <laughs> Things start growing over your eyes. That doesn't make sense. Like the, Your eyes can handle glare. We all can handle glare. And you buy a pair of sunglasses and you use that. But your eyes can't handle glare off a surface, off a shiny, watery surface, and, and it hits your eye at an angle, and you just react to that. And um, so my eyes were always red. And then these little membranes called pterygium, pterygia, grew over my, my eyes. So on both sides, you start getting this little knobbly, translucent little membrane, like, a bit like a fish, just start growing. I went to the doctor and I was panicky because I was in the prime of my life and I was going, looks are important. I kind of have this little thing growing in my eye. I'd meet someone and they'll stare into my eyeball and go, what on earth is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and that was still the good time. Then it got worse. Then, then you could see little red veins going towards this thing. And then my eyes were always red. So people would ask me like, are you um, smoking dope? And I'm going, no, I used to smoke dope, but not anymore. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. No, I don't smoke dope. It's not a good idea. Although it's legal, it's not a good idea. And, um, and it just became worse and worse. And then I went to the doctor, and he looked at me, and he diagnosed it, and he said, no, this is, it's too small. It needs to grow bigger. We, need to, we can't operate on something we can't see clearly. And I went, okay, I'll come back in six months. Six months later, I went back. And he goes, no, nah, it's not big enough. So eventually you have this thing that almost gets to your pupil and it starts. you start seeing it. So I'm looking at you and I have this little thing in the corner of my eye wherever I look and it's on both sides. So um, one day I decided, okay, that's it. I'm getting this thing operated. So I went in, went to see the specialist. He gave me a form. He said, you need to sign this. And on the form, um, okay, I, I will be admitted to the hospital on this date. And I, I was about to sign the form, and he says, oh, lo- local or general anesthetic? I went, okay, local Local must be the quickest, surely. They are just going to do it, any surgery, and then, like, I'm going to go home, and the next day I'll be surfing again. And uh, I didn't know what I was in for. So so I, um, I signed there, and I've been diagnosed. I've signed on the... And then he goes, no, you need to be at the Mediclinic clinic hospital... Um, and don't eat for 24 hours and book in there and you're going to get the surgery done and I'm going, okay, fine, I'll go so I go the next morning and I haven't eaten and they go, could you please put this thing on and I, I look at it and it's this little blue-green little gown and, and it's got lots of little laces on the side like shoelaces and I'm, I can't figure out what's the front because the one whole side's open <laughs> and, and and I'm going. Surely I'll I'll wear the the full side on the front. But then what about? I asked Joe if I could use the word butt. Uh, so he didn't answer me. So I'm going to use the word butt. So, so your butt's completely exposed, and you've got this lint. So now I've got to try and tie this behind my back. And I know I, I'm exposed, completely exposed. So I walk. So wherever I walk, I'm sort of walking along the walls <laughs> to get to to get to the surgery with this little blue gown. It's not long. It's about this long. And th- the other bad part is you've got this little nappy that you wear. You're not even to like to wear your own underwear. Like you've got this little... That also ties on the side, both sides. So you just feel ridiculous. And it's just... It's not a pretty sight. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm reasoning. now: Why am I wearing this if they're going to operate on my eye? Surely this and that is for access that they can reach any part that they're going to be operating. But they're not operating anywhere. They're operating on my eyeball. And, um... But I've just got to do it because that's the rules. <laughs> then, I go, then I go in, they, like, lie down. You're lying on the little trolley for so long, waiting. And, uh... Eventually, they wheel you into the, into the theater and now you're lying there. Luckily, if everything's covered on the front. And, uh... So that's the positive. Um, and then, <laughs> then the surgeon comes in, and you, oh, you recognise him. He's your stability. He's the one you you trust because you've spoken to him. He's looked at everything. You know what he's going to do. And then the other three, four people come in that you've never seen in your life, and they're examining you, and and they're like checking everything. And, but at some point, as the surgery starts and the needle comes towards your eye, uh, like, no, it's getting serious. Now I forget about the blue little dress I'm wearing. I forget about all embarrassment. No, just, I just want to lie still. Because I don't want him to poke me in the eye with his needle. <laughs> so luckily he injects me on the side, and then on the side, and on the side again. And I go, okay, that wasn't too painful. I can breathe. And then they bring out this tool that looks like a matrix... Torture tool. It goes over your eyeball and and it opens up your eyelid, and a little ratchet turns, and your eyelid's wide open. You can't blink, so you you're looking, and and you're going, "This is not comfortable. I can't blink." And the next moment, he he goes scalpel, and he's got a scalpel, and you see the scalpel coming straight for your eyeball, and then he starts cutting in your eye. But luckily, you don't feel anything, and you go, "I'm so grateful to not feel." But he's cutting, and everything goes red. And I go, geez, that must be blood. And then the nurse grabs a, the wad of cotton wool and pokes it in your eyeball. And I'm going, jeez, she's pushing hard. Because if I had feeling, that would be like putting my thumb in someone's eye. And then he's pulling again and cutting and blood again, and cotton wool. How are the kids doing? They're fascinated by this, I think. And... Um, and uh, and then he starts putting stitches in and he's like putting the stitches through and pulling my eye. And, it, and my whole head's moving because he's pulling on my eye. I'm going, geez, that must hurt if I felt anything. And I mean, two days later when I'm at home, I realize why they gave me a bag of painkillers because I'm just taking painkillers. This is horrific. This feels like I've been, my eye's been poked out. So the reason I'm telling you this story is it's very much like being in the church. That whole story. It's very much like getting eyes, uh, eye surgery. It's very much like heart surgery. It's incredibly sore. It's vulnerable. Um, just trying to figure out how much I should leave out out of my preach that I took so long to prepare (laughs) Um, okay so the Lord had to work in my heart and he uh, I didn't know what was going on I just woke up one morning and I felt a little bit uncomfortable not comfortable with my own skin, just a little bit off. And then I started, like, I st- my boys started grating me, and I tried to do the godly thing of, yeah, like, correcting them when I needed to. And then they rebelled against what I was saying, because it's almost like they didn't respect me, and I didn't like what they were seeing. And I'm going, this is not on, so I got a little bit harder and a little bit stricter and the stuff flared up and then Tanya and I started arguing and we started missing each other and, and before I knew it we were at full blown chaos in our house and, and the more godly I try to act the more right I try to act the more this thing exploded and it could, that's different for all of us it could be you could be in your friendship circle you could be grating your friends and they just pull away from you they just or you start getting this this prideful thing that just goes If I drive on this guy's backside on the freeway, he must surely get the message that he must pull over because I'm in a rush. And he better pull over now. And I can't believe he's not pulling over. And there's this entitlement, this and, and then your your anger level rises. And before you know it, you, this ugly thing starts rising up in you. So it could be anything. It could, but it's an attitude. It's a heart attitude. It comes from deep inside. And we don't have control over it. In my case, I started dealing with confrontation with my boys and with Tanya. Exactly like my dad used to deal with it. The bad side of my dad. He would very good, honorable things. There were beautiful things I inherited from him. But I also inherited this thing where I started dealing badly with confrontation in my family. And that's your epigenetics. That's your makeup. That's your inheritance. That's sins of the fathers passed on to, to the next generation, to the next generation, which I had no control over. And I thought that thing, when I got saved, the day I gave my life to the Lord was gone. I declared it, I forgave him, I thought I was free. That whatever my parents lived in wasn't relevant to my life anymore. But then, when the confrontation started in our family, I started acting like my dad. I was going, "I dislike this. I can't believe." Emotionally, I started shutting off, and I started thinking these things: "Of okay, I won't be. I'll. I'll, I just won't be present. They can deal with it. I'll just provide, and I'll be there, and I'll be a dad." But I'm just not even connect with him. And, and I thought, geez, that's what my dad did with us. And I saw it and I detested it. But, and I didn't understand why he did it. But in a moment, I thought, okay, I'm getting dragged away by my genetic, my epigenetics. I was getting becoming my father. And I, I hated it. And, and I couldn't get away from it. And no matter what I did, I, it was just there. To the point where I needed to get help I went to Jacques and Jeanette And I said, guys, please speak to me And I was, thought, I was thinking they were gonna sort, They're going to sort the boys out They're going to sort Tanya out They're going to tell them to get in line He's the rightful authority in the house You just guys need to get, sort yourself out now Jacques looked at me And said, it's, it's all your fault And I went, what? You're supposed to sort them out now he goes, no, you, it's all, it's all, it's, you're leading them badly. It's all your reaction. You need to sort yourself out. So now I'm like, oh, I don't even know where to go. But what happened was I could see this thing for the first time as I detest it. I don't like it. I'm getting dragged away. My, it feels like I was getting shipwrecked by my history. And, um, and I needed to repent. And I needed to come before God and go, Lord, here's something that I don't like, I don't want, I'll give it to you. Um, so it started with that. And then the process, then the surgery started. Then the heart things started happening in me. But it was an ugly thing that came to the surface. Um, so a little bit like that, the process is a little, little bit like that. You're carrying on with your life when you, when you start seeing this thing, when people start recognizing this thing, you're being diagnosed. The doctor is going, there's a hot thing there that, I'm, that needs surgery. And you mostly, most of the time, we're in denial. Um, sometimes we trust the person and we, we choose to, to see it, but it's hard. Then you get wheeled into the surgery and they give you this little blue thing to wear, and it's just exposing. I'm like, everyone in church is seeing this. Like, uh, two weeks ago, I was perfect, and I was in the front, and I was worshiping, and everyone thought I was really godly. And now, there's just ugly stuff coming out of me. I've got pride and arrogance. I've got reactions that I detest, but I can't get rid of. Um, my, my friends are separating from me. Um, I'm blocking it out. So there's all these things. Uh, you, there's just self-preservation. Like, I don't want this thing exposed. I don't want anyone to see anything from behind. I'm walking along the wall like this. Once you go into surgery, you don't care. Once, the Lord, once that, that, that blade's coming towards this sore place, you don't care what's exposed. Then it's just, I trust that surgeon. I don't even care about the nurse's or what they're seeing, or what they could be doing right now, they, I just look at you. And then the next thing is, this is so serious. I can't afford to move, because if if I move, if I pull my head away now, he's going to cut half of my eye away. He's <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there's a lot of responsibility on me not to squirm. So I know I'm touching, I'm touching sore stuff, and I'm, uh, I'm trusting that as I'm speaking, the Spirit is highlighting things in our hearts. And for some of us, we'll know what it is, and we'll go, I can actually choose to surrender and ask for forgiveness, or, or repent at least, and name it. But for some of us, we don't even know. We just have this strange, uncomfortable feeling that there's something that's about to get touched that's not great. And those things are always vulnerable. Those things are always sore. Um, And there's good ways to deal with this, and there's bad ways to deal with this. The first thing is, give everything to the Lord first. Set your eyes on Him. Look at the perfect, So Chloe, Chloe in our community said, that's like the perfect surgeon, the trustworthy surgeon. I went, yeah, that's what I'm preaching on. So, Chloe, you're prophetic, if you're watching. (laughs) Um, So, he's the trustworthy surgeon. He's the one that we look, we just look at him, and we can't afford to squirm. Now, practically, when we squirm, we do this. Either you deny it. No, you guys must be wrong. You don't see it right. You don't know my heart. You start arguing or reasoning, butting, doing your thing. Or you want to run. Whatever you do, don't run because then the lord's got to go and fetch you again he's got to sign you in again you've got to submit to it again and he's got to restart the whole situation rather have a quick surgery like i know tanya my wife she's always praying this thing lord whatever you're doing please do it quickly i don't want to have a long drawn out thing but there's something about her she views like if she's got a suspicion that she's got to like there's maybe something demonic going on inside. She gets super excited. I go, you're not excited if there's a demon in you. It's it's Like I want nothing to do with demons. She goes, no, I'm so excited because it's about, it's coming to the surface and it's going to leave soon. And someone is going to get rid of it. Or I'm going to get rid of it. Or the Lord's going to get rid of it. And that's such a good view. Like you look at something inside of you that you go, I want to be rid of that thing. Bring it on. Show me what it is so I can Repent and then become more like you become more beautiful um, so trust the surgeon whatever you do don't go to Sunnydale AM <laughs> they are amazing Lucas Narcos is amazing he's full of the spirit he's just been through surgery he, he was lying on his back there's such life in him He's one of those beautiful guys that I spoke about earlier. You're he, just drawn there. When you hear him preach, like he, does, he, he doesn't say much, but it's just the Spirit. And you go, oh, I am. They are full of the Spirit. They've got vision and purpose. Everyone there is happy. My friends are there. I'm going to go there. Because the Spirit's there. And he can do exactly what he's doing here in me there. And, nah, no it's not you're just short-circuiting what the Lord's going to do if somebody sits you down and you're about to get diagnosed and Joey's going hey, I see this thing and don't fight it and don't be worried if something gets taken away, if your prophetic ministry gets sidelined or your prayer group get sidelined or your intercession with your friend or your worship on the stage the lord just needs to undress you he just needs to take stuff away he just needs to get to the real thing because you are more important your heart is more important than what anything that you do he's pursuing our hearts tonight he's been doing it for a while But just the fact that Joey's been through that thing and some of the elders are going through that thing and some of us are going through that thing means we're all going to go through it. The Lord reproduces like after like. That genetic makeup in him is going to come through all of us. And he's put you here now for this season. So let me just read one more scripture. Paul, if you can put that last one on for me, if you know what it is. Um, Great. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. And I think you can... I mean, that scripture is relevant to a lot of things, the kingdom advancing, but a big part of that kingdom that advances is the kingdom advancing in our hearts. Is parts of us getting given over as living sacrifices to the Lord. That's our act of worship in some ways. And it forcefully advances. And the Lord is forceful. He's committed that He's going to sign us in. He's going to get the surgery done. He's in control. And um, forceful men and women lay hold of it. It takes a degree of, of, what's the word? You almost need to be, sober-minded and clear and determined to let that surgery be worked out in your heart. You, you can't go in there and go, oh, let's see what happens. Let them start it and see how it feels because it's going to be horrible. But if you go in going, settle it. This is, this is the Lord. He's working in my heart. He's working in PM. He's worked in Joey. He's working, worked in the elders. He's working in me. Okay, now... I'm going to choose to lie still I'm going to choose to listen to people I trust Um, almost done don't let self preservation rule submit yourself to one another, these are all scriptures these are all paraphrasing scriptures, submit yourself to one another, trust others, when they speak That they see. We all see in part. Often they see parts of us that we don't see. Set your eyes on the king. Trust in his ways. Don't run. Don't move to Aim. (laughs) If you see it in your friend, speak the truth in love. You don't have to be harsh. You don't have to come in there with guns blazing. You don't have to convince them. They know. We all know when we fraught, We all know when we've got stuff coming to the surface. Just do it gently and lovingly. So I almost want to wanna ask you, will you allow him to do these things? Will you allow him to not just start, but his promises? Uh, there's so many promises. One of them is he will complete what he start, or started in you, and we hold on to that. That's that's the character of the surgeon that we look at when that scalpel comes. That he's going to he's going to finish it, and he's going to beautify us, and we're going to have that incredible diversity, that beauty, in his church, and he chooses what that's going to look like. We're getting reproduced in line. in in his likes and we in christ so we're getting reproduced in in line with him so will you trust him here's a scripture that uh speaks about the beauty for the beauty set before him this is christ he endured the cross we'll share in his sufferings it'll be different kinds of sufferings but these are one of the sufferings um So I think this all starts with just signing up, just going, Lord, I surrender. Whatever you want to do in my heart, whatever you want to do in my life, here I am. And you might, might, might know there's something, or he, he's not busy with you at the moment. That's great. You're like in a time of peace. But that time's going to come. And then what you say today affects your life and affects your future. But can I pray for us? Yeah. Father, everyone here tonight, everyone watching on the stream, we're all part of this church, Sunningdale PM. And you have a plan and a purpose. You have a preferable future. You see it clearly. You see each species, each person, each attribute, each beautiful thing that you're going to produce in us. Father, I thank you that you've started. Thank you that you've started, Lord. Thank you that you're busy. Thank you that you never stop. We just want to come before you and say, Lord, we're your bride. Here we are. Would you do everything that you need to do in us? Would you take our sacrifices, Lord? We can only give. Father, you are wooing us in a way that we want to give everything. But we can't even see everything. So we want to give you what we have. We give you our hearts, Lord. We give you our futures. That your will be done, Lord. Your plans and your purposes. Make us the bride that you want it to be. You want us to be. Pray this in in your name, Jesus. Amen.